Cold Weather Bats, what's up? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about Great Lakes Bat Company. As you guys know, the show is sponsored by Great Lakes Bat Company, and you can buy a hat on their website at greatlakesbatco.com. Upon that, you can do tons of other things too. You got a team, organization, whatever it is, they got you covered. Whether it's uniforms, custom bats, custom fitting for bats, custom fungos, custom wood bats, trainers, you name it, they got it. GreatLakesBatCo.com. Welcome in to another episode of Cold Weather Bats. This is episode 24, and this is the first ever postseason edition uh, for most teams of Cold Weather Bats as we enter pre-district slash district week. Uh, I am Brandon Justice, joined by always as Brian Sikowski. Brian, how are we doing? Oh, it's playoff time, man. Uh, what else could be more exciting? I'm ready to go. This is something that, uh, you know, is kind of, I mean, shoot, you think about there hasn't been a playoff setting and, you know, well over, it's been almost two years now since there's been a playoff setting. Uh, and so here we are, it kind of feels like back January, February, March, we were sitting here on eggshells wondering if this was, this whole thing was going to even occur, uh, given all the circumstances going on around the world this year. Uh, but luckily there has been small slight hiccups throughout the year for uh for some teams um but we're here in playoffs seems like everybody is good to go for playoffs um and we're gonna we're gonna find a winner in each division and we'll talk about that later before we get to that make sure you're following us on twitter and instagram at cold weather bats we did a hat giveaway last week we'll be doing some more in the future uh so be sure to tune in to our uh, social media streams and Take a look at the Super 25s of the past if you're interested in that, if you're new here. Uh, and if you're new here, we did change our, our episode. Ep- would this be episodic release? I don't know what the what the word would be, but we were Tuesdays. Now we're Wednesdays. So uh, always be on the lookout for CWB. I'll hand it over to Brian. He's going to take us through some, some college baseball. Is that what you're taking us through, Coach? Yeah, I just, you know, we, we've spent most of the last three months just talking about high school baseball, which is fine. It's been cool. I think everybody's liked it, like no one's complaining. But the idea of this podcast in its inception was amateur baseball in the state of Michigan, which includes college. Um, and now that we're gearing up for postseasons or are well into postseasons uh, in, in the state as far as college baseball goes, just a quick little recap. Um at the D1 level, the schools from the state that made the NTA tournament were Michigan as an at-large at-large bid, um, and you could debate whether, honestly, whether they deserved it or not with an RPI of 90. It's a whole soapbox I had. I talked about it last night on the PG College show about Ball State getting screwed out of the tournament. Anyways, uh, that's a different tangent. Um, they are in, they're in the South Bend region as the three seed. And joining them in the South Bend region as a four seed is Central Michigan, uh, the other D1 school in the state that made it. Uh, They won the MAC outright by two games and therefore got the automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Uh, They will play in that South Bend regional as well. It is Notre Dame, UConn, Michigan, and CMU in that that, uh, bracket. So tune in this weekend if you want to watch what is – more than likely going to be the end of the season for both, uh, you know, probably, I don't know. That's, that seems absurd to say, considering Michigan wasn't a one seed when they went to the college world series a couple years ago. Um, but anyways, would tune in this weekend. That'll be fun. And CMU has two dudes atop the rotation uh, as does Michigan actually. So don't be surprised if they make a little bit of noise. Uh, don't be surprised if Jordan Patty or, or Andrew Taylor end up knocking off one of the, the bigger schools. Um, in D2, I don't think anybody is far uh, or anybody got far from, from in the state, if I'm incorrect on that. I think I saw Northwood was playing deep, but I think they ended up losing. Um, if I'm wrong on that, someone yell at me, and I'll apologize. You're right on that, um, in D, th- Yeah, okay. In D3, Adrian walked off to go to the World Series just the other day. 
Um, that was really cool. That was fun. That was awesome to see. Obviously, we've had uh, Coach Klotz on the show. Uh, he's a friend of the program. Uh, we had Mo Hanley on the show, and obviously Mo with an injury now. Uh, we wish him all the best in his recovery. Uh, but either way, Adrian onto the World Series in D3. That's cool as hell. And Kellogg, who knocked off Lansing, who was at the time like 47-1 and one or something ridiculous. Uh, Kellogg's in the in the NJCAA Division II World Series um, in Enid, Oklahoma. And so that's a, a really cool thing. Uh, after the season, I think we'll circle Kellogg as far as a school we want to highlight and, and get some interviews with, considering what they've done this year. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the college baseball update, unless I'm missing something NAIA-ish. Uh, I don't think I am. Um, but either way... Just a, some cool representation from the state in various levels of, of postseason baseball at the college level, for sure. So talk, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but something that I don't know a whole lot about that uh, folks at home might be intrigued by is uh, what you let off with there. The whole conversation about Michigan getting in. I'm a little interested in hearing, hearing a little tidbit about that if you, if you got something. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm like not using this space to say, "Oh, Michigan didn't deserve to be in." Like that's not what I'm saying. I, I think that they were as one of the last four schools in, as deemed by the NCAA. You could make the argument about them versus other schools. That's all I'm saying. Um, but my issue with the NCAA, and whoa, actually, we don't have nearly enough time for me to go into all my issues with the NCAA. We could be here for days. But what they did is, is they said, "Hey." You know, smaller schools, if you want it, smaller conferences, if you want an at-large bid and, you know, you want your conference to be more than just the the one auto bid league, um, you know, you have to go out of conference, you have to play bigger schools, you have to have success, blah, 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 blah. So Ball State did that. It, you know, like I said already, they finished two games behind CMU for the MAC title, but, you know, as the number two team in the MAC, they were like 38 and 18, um, they were like twenty nine and eleven in conference. They split a series at, or what? They split a four game series at the University of Arizona, and won two out of three at Kentucky. That's going on the road. Two major conferences, two big schools where they won games, showed well, um, and they ended up with an RPI of forty eight. RPI of forty eight. If you're lining it up by RPI, is in the damn tournament. Michigan's RPI was ninety. If we're making that comparison. Um, there were four or five schools that got into the NCAA tournament with RPIs lower than Ball State's, including Michigan, including UC Santa Barbara, including Maryland. Um, and, and the NCAA has come out and said, you know, well, this year's unique because some, you know, some conferences aren't doing uh, out of conference. Like the Big Ten's a good example of that. They played conference only as a result of COVID. Uh, so, like, in the NCAA came out and said, well, we're not going to we're not going to lean on RPI this year because it's skewed because not everybody had the same opportunities for playing other schools. Blah 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 blah. So, like, they just went ahead and leaned on RPI anyways, but then excluded Ball State. Uh, and that just, it really, it fired me up, man. It pissed me off a little bit. I, I just like, you and I have had this discussion over greater topics and we're not really going to devolve into, into the, where I would like this conversation to go. Um, because that's, this is not that type of podcast, but like, I'm, I'm really disgusted by good teams, good players, uh, you know, good programs getting screwed over because they won't bring in enough ticket sales. Like, is this not tr about trying to find the best team in ba college baseball? Is this not about trying to determine the best field in college baseball? Uh, or is it just about like, well, I don't know, the 38th best Power 5 school will probably bring more fans, so let's select them. Like, that's bullshit, and I'm sick of it. Um, but anyways, I'm not going to get too heated about capitalism on this podcast. Uh, that's a different podcast that doesn't exist. Um but anyways, yeah, that's my little soapbox. about. And Ball State's just the example. I, I want to reiterate, like, it could have been any school in that situation who was left out. We could talk about Pittsburgh in that sense, but they're a Power 5 school, so I'm not, like, I'm all set on sympathy to the Power 5s. Um, it's like people who feel bad for billionaires. Like, what, what's, what the hell is wrong with you? So anyways, let, let's, go to back to base, let's go back to baseball before, <laughs> before I start railing on against corporations. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> Brandon, do you want to talk about do you want to talk about the Gross Point Invitational where where we finally okay. were able to have right, the uh, right. finally able to have the the cold weather bed showdown we've been looking forward to? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you were about to go into another cage match with somebody that wasn't me, but we'll talk about the one that we had. So. <laughs> Uh, to those at home who listened to, to last week's show and kept up with the uh, the schedule, uh, we had the Glenn Conley, I think, Gross Point Invitational was yep. the name of it, uh, and yep. the the Eaglets of, of Orchard Lake were uh, were victorious in said Invitational, three uh, zero, and then uh, Liggett went two and one. The Blue Devils of Gross Point South went one and two, and then Detroit Western uh, went zero and three. So that was the the final tally there. Um, we at South played, uh, Western in the first game, won an extras, pretty exciting game. Mary's had an exciting one with Liggett. I'll let you dive into that in a moment. They won by one. Uh, and then we'll get to the point that everyone wants to hear about, which is, uh, Orchard Lake versus Gross Point South. And, uh, I'll tell you what, in hindsight, maybe don't invite Orchard Lake to the home field when the home field is 290 to center, uh, because they found that spot. And they found it four times. So, and then Minnie McKay, all credit to Minnie for hitting a ball to the deepest part of the park uh, and hitting it pretty deep over said deep part of the park. And uh, between him and Jason Oliver, I don't know who's went further, uh, but they both went particularly far, I would say. Um, But all that being said, Alex Mooney hit a pop fly, which he admitted and was totally accepting of, um, but it still counted for two runs and it didn't keep, didn't matter. Uh, but the funniest thing I've ever heard on a baseball field this season was Alex Moody hitting that home run, rounding third and saying, just count me as an out. I thought that was, kind of, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that was, uh, for, from my perspective, um, you know, it was a really it, four extremely good teams coming together. Uh, of the four, three were ranked in the Super Twenty Five that week, with uh, you you guys and Lickett being one and two, and then uh, Western at twenty. And it was a it was a great day for baseball. I think two extremely nice venues between Lickett and South. I, I don't think there's many venues out there within high school baseball that are better than those two. Uh, South is just different, I think, personally. And I think that now we can finally discuss that since you've been there and, and had a day there. Um, because after we played South at, or I'm sorry, after we played uh, Orchard Lake at South, we had to travel to Liggett to go play, travel, quote unquote, five minutes down the road, but all the same, had to drive over to Liggett and play. And then that meant that Orchard Lake got to have Western at South. So uh, the Eaglets were fortunate enough to get two games at that field. Uh, And before we dive into your guys' day, what did you think about the field? Dude, it was cool as hell. Like, I, you know, I knew it was unique. Like, you told me it was unique. You know, you hear that, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I'd never been there. Uh, That was just, like, it felt like we were on, like, NCAA baseball 2006 create a stadium mode. Um, and it was just, and I mean that with, with all of the best intentions. I th- I thought that was cool as hell. Like the, it's a huge wall, a huge, like close wall and center because the field backs up to the football field and like can only go so far. It's like, if you, if you picture a heart, um, but like the point of the heart in the middle where the two like lines meet is actually just a flat wall. Like, that's kind of what the field is, um, where, like, the alleys are way deeper than the center field wall, but the center field wall is gigantic. Uh, it, it just, I don't know, man. It was unique as hell. I liked the playing surface. Like, uh, the guys seemed to like the mound. Like, I, I just, it's a really cool location. It feels like an old school, like, you know, you can see the clock tower of the school over the gym or whatever the hell that is right behind the plate. Clock tower. Um, yeah, you know, like, I just... I thought it was really cool. It felt like we were playing baseball in a different era almost uh, on that field. Um, but I, I have nothing but good things to say about it. I thought it was awesome. So as far as as far as our game, our game goes, I'll, I'll make this one quick and then you can dive into the Lakehead game. Um, well, well, I wanted to talk about this one for a while. OK. All right. We could do that. <laughs> okay. That's what you want to no, do. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so. It was five nothing at the end of the first, and or and we had second and third with one out, I think, and then uh, we didn't cash in there. But in the top half, Orchard Lake put two balls out, McKay and Mooney, and then in the second inning, I'm pretty sure another ball went out, 
And then in the fourth inning, that's when Oliver went yard. And then you guys put the POs in and they got some hits and that was cool. Uh, and then we lost 11, nothing. So it was, uh, it was a humbling game, but everybody had fun. I mean, I think it, that was probably one of the more respectable 11, nothing games. I would say, you know, we didn't, we, I think as a, as a coaching staff and as a team, we didn't go in there hoorah thinking we were going to run through anything. We were just second leg of a triple header. We were just trying to stay healthy and have some fun playing against easily the best team in the state so far this year and one of the better teams of all time in the state that was kind of the whole message was like hey we get an opportunity to play a really really good team uh and let's just enjoy it right so that's that's kind of what we did um you know obviously we we went in there with with the approach that we bring to every game it wasn't like we were gonna roll over or anything but uh you know at the same time like you you put you put that team in that park 10 times out of 10 they're gonna go yard at least twice or more sometimes probably more. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my perspective. I mean, you guys play the game really well. You, you, you have a really talented team, but it's a pretty unselfish team all the same. I mean, you guys were executing hit runs and, uh, making really good jumps from first to second, second to third. It's not like those guys are just plugged and played. There's, there's some, there's some high Q there, uh, some serious IQ there. So, uh, it was a fun time, man. It was good. It was a good game. Obviously, you some, know some kids on that team, so it was good to see those guys. Um, selfishly, it was good to see Mini go yard because a couple weeks from now we'll be playing summer ball, uh, or a few weeks from now. It all depends. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was. I had fun. That was the most fun I've had losing eleven nothing. Probably, I would say. <laughs> I mean, it was just a fun day. Like that was four good teams in two awesome venues. Just like. You know, with with no real pressure because it's the the end of season. Like no one cares who wins or loses this tournament thing. Like, um, you know, it's not like if you lost, you were out of the state tournament or anything like that. It, it was just like a let's get four good teams together. We'll we'll play a whole shitload of baseball. We'll we'll keep our pitchers fresh and and we'll get ready to go in the state tournament. And it was just a, you know, like the the first game against Liggett, like you said, we won three to two, and it was. If it's possible to make it sound closer than the one run it was, I, that's what it was. It, Liggett got up. It, we're, what the hell? First first, uh, first play of the game, um, Dresselhaus hits a nuke. To, not a nuke because it didn't go out, but like shits on a ball the left field. And Joey Randazzo makes like the best play I've ever seen in my life in person. Uh, like unbelievable, like full extension, like backwards to, to snag this line drive that was easily two and maybe three. Um, and then that kind of set the tone like, okay, well, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Irish barrel the ball that inning two or something that, and they got it, got out, but, uh, kind of a quick, like, okay, well, all right, probably not gonna be able to hit bombs today. Uh, and then Lincoln got up two nothing on a error or double error. Um, and then we, we, you know, clawed back, made it three to two. And that's kind of the way it stayed. We had Porter on the mound and he wasn't really going to be touched. Um, aside from that, like damn double error. Like I can't believe it. anyways, I made a double error, but anyways, um, yeah, I, that, that was just a really close game between two really good teams. Um, luckily we came out on the winning side and then, like you said, man, just had, uh, once the weather warmed up and we got over to South, we were able to more bring out the driver, um, rather than have to play the, the short game. Um, but my, I mean, shit, man, it was just a really fun day. I was exhausted at the end of it, but that was a really fun day. Yeah, those uh, try try having three of those in a row because we've three Saturdays in a row we've had to do a triple header. Whew. But yeah, I mean, uh, you get a lot of baseball, and at the end of the day, it's about making sure you get twenty four guys to play and everyone gets a chance. And uh, you know, we've been able to do that with these triple headers. Been been lucky enough to do that. So uh, we, we've we've gotten done what we wanted to get done through these triple headers, and so now we can go into playoffs knowing what we think is our best. 9, 10, 11, 12, and, you know, circling those guys through and, you know, plugging and playing based on the arm that's throwing, et cetera, et cetera. You know how it goes. So, uh, but the triple header was great this weekend, uh, like you said, with the talent teams. But most importantly, it was great to kind of get everyone tuned up for this week with playoffs yep. coming. Uh, and speaking of which, we will segue this into our interview this week and then take you into the Super 25. And we'll do a little playoff prediction, state championship picks revised based on our original mm-hmm. picks before the year. Um, but before we get into that, we'll tell you a little 
little bit about who our interview is. It's Caleb Sanders. He is a Dayton commit, and he is at Detroit Edison. Had a phenomenal year with Detroit Edison. They're a perennial top five team this year. Every week they've been in the top five. They've been as high as two. Uh, They currently sit at... You're about to find out what they're set at. Uh, I don't want to ruin that. So uh, we will take this right into Caleb Sanders, and then we'll see you guys on the other side. What's up, Cold Weather Bats people? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about our newest sponsor, Bomb Banana. Uh, Bomb Banana is a banana-based hot sauce, and it's got the most fun name to ever say over and over again. Bomb Banana, Bomb Banana, Bomb Banana, just like that. It was founded by four University of Michigan graduates during the pandemic, and it is produced locally in Michigan with restaurant-quality flavor. Uh, It comes in two flavors, original and Moi Moi, and essentially Moi Moi is the spicier version. Uh, And that is my preferred one and how do i know that well bomb banana cares so much about the integrity of their product and those who are uh, being sponsored by it that they sent us two free bottles before just to taste test and be sure that we enjoy the product before discussing it uh, and i can sure vouch for this product and that's coming from someone who traditionally does not enjoy bananas uh, you can elevate any ballpark dish with bomb banana sandwiches nachos or any dip you want to get crazy put it on a hot dog i guarantee it'll still taste good seekthespice.com is their website you Use the discount code CWB for 10% off. Again, that is Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Seekthespice.com. Use the code CWB for 10% off of the hot sauce that everybody is talking about. Welcome into the pre-state tournament interview segment of this episode of Cold Weather Bats. We are joined by Caleb Sanders, outfielder from Detroit Edison, who's committed to the University of Dayton. Uh, They are... Edison's having a great year, as those who have been following the show are aware of, consistently ranked in the top five of the Super 25. Uh, Caleb's got quite a summer ahead of him uh, on the showcase circuit, given his abilities and tool set and and what that may open up for him in the future. Uh, But either way, we're excited to finally, at long last, after about a month of trying to do this, getting Caleb onto the show. Caleb, welcome to the show, man. How you guys doing? Pretty good. We're great, man. <laughs> We're great, man. Thanks, thanks for being patient with us as we've dealt with. Um, let's see, Brandon. What have we dealt with as far as not having Caleb in a recording yet? Um, I didn't know how to use the recording software. We we couldn't get a hold of him one night. He couldn't get a hold of us one night. We had to kill it for for a different reason that one time. Either way, we're really excited to finally have you on the show, man. Um, obviously been been really excited following uh, you guys' season at, at, at Edison there so far this spring. So let's just start there, man. To, you guys are 25-5. and five. You've had a ton of really good wins. Um, I, Brandon obviously was in the dugout for a couple of those early on. Just uh, tell us about the club so far, man. What's been working for you? You know, What are you excited about looking towards uh, the playoffs? Well, for one, uh, we played really well together this year especially for a team that, uh, you know, we haven't got to be able to get together or, you know, practice a lot. Uh, but we played really well this year together as a team. And uh, the bats have been working tremendously for a long time. Even when we struggled, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be too under under par for our team. So uh, the bats just really worked really well this year. And uh, a lot of players stepped up that weren't really uh, known to be as good as everybody else, but they just started stepping up ever since Warner left and uh, the rest of system. So you, uh, you talked about Werner there and uh, you know, I was wondering about him and we talked to him, talked to coach Mark Brown about him. Uh, but I want to hear your perspective from a player side of things on his impact with the program, uh, especially thereafter now being in the MLB uh, system with the angels. Uh, so since graduation, what's his impact been like uh, and all of that? Well, Coach talked about how how much he's in touch with us, especially for somebody that's all the way in Arizona, I believe. Uh, He probably knows just as much as everybody else on the team about what everything's going on. Uh, He he uh, he's always on the phone with me. You know, I I Facetime him, and you know, we go back and forth about approach and just things like leadership things, and you know, stuff that you have to work on just so we can be better. Uh, He like genuinely he doesn't get anything from it. 
but he just loves being there for us and uh, the program because he knows how much it means for our our city and then just our family and everything. He's just really tied in with everybody. Do you find that having a guy like that, like Warner Blakely, that for those who don't know, um, a fourth rounder last year out of out of Edison uh, in the Angels system was committed to Auburn prior to that, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but that's that's not that's a unique player. That's a unique person to have at your program, regardless of what program you have. You know, there's a what ninety six percent of high schools in the country, high school baseball programs in the country, have never had a kid drafted out of there or whatever the number is. So that's a cool thing. Uh, what is his? sort of presence and impact as far as like, you know, is, is it as simple as like, this is how you should be working out or, or, you know, like this is how you should be taking batting practice. Like what are kind of the, the specifics of what he's doing with you guys to help you out? Well, I mean, it's different for everybody. Cause you know, some of like the, the more experienced players like Brandon, Greg and I, and uh, Justice Smith, like he always expects us to do certain things. So he's just really talking to us more about the mental side of the game. But then there's other people on the team when he was there. He's helping them learn how to do infield actions and, you know, just being there for them. So uh, just like a, a huge tool for our team because, you know, he's just such a elite player and you don't get that all the time. Uh, and it's just another one of the tools that Edison has, uh, which makes us successful. A couple of our coaches got drafted in the past and it's just so like, it's these unique tools and unique things about Edison that just allows us to win and, you know, keep the program alive. So you're speak, uh, you speak of the coaching staff and it's really interesting um, because it's such a new program, right? And I think one of the biggest challenges new programs have is finding somebody to come in and, and give it the right direction starting from the ground up. So for, from your player's perspective, how, is, how has Coach Brown and the rest of that staff done that? And, uh, of course, if you want to shout out some of those assistant coaches, feel free to do that as well. Well, uh, as a coaching staff, they all have unique uh, talents, and, you know, things that they do very well. Uh, Coach Brown, he's done this for a long time, so he just has, like, uh, ability to win, and uh, he instills that winning DNA within our team. Uh, uh, and then we had some coaches that just come in and out, like his son, Mark Brown Jr., he does a good job coming in, helping us with the outfield. Uh, our outfield is uh, probably one of the strongest suits of the team, and he really helps us, uh, you know, fine-tune those skills and things like that. Uh, actually, we have a coach that came from the school, which is surprising, named Mr. Williams. He really helps us mentally uh, on the field. That's just his whole thing, and, you know, he gives us poems. We all write in our notebooks after every game, just working on our bats and everything. So he really helps us get the mental side of the game together. It's a lot of work that goes in on and off the field just for us to be successful, and uh, he helps with that a lot. What? So, all right, let's, let's pivot a little bit to more – Caleb Sanders rather than Detroit Edison. Um, I've seen you play. Brandon's seen you play. I don't know how many of our listeners have. Tell us about you. What are your strengths and weaknesses on the baseball field? What are you working to improve as you move towards the offseason this summer? Um, yeah, man, just tell us about you. Well, uh, I would say definitely one of my strengths is my arm. I guess that would be like my top tool. Uh, I throw about 97 from the outfield, and we're continuing to try to get that higher. Uh, that's the goal. Um, something that's weakness is uh, my speed. I mean, it's not slow. I think I believe I run like 6'8 uh, on a good day. So, uh, and then I, I have a good approach at the plate. When I'm hitting well, I can hit opposite field very well and spread, spread the gaps. But... Uh, as a player, I just I have a I have a leadership on the field, and I just do well hitting the ball consistently, and uh, a great outfield arm from the corners, and uh, I can play center field also. So you talk about your game, uh, and I wish I could run a six eight. We'll put it that way. So don't don't be ashamed of a six eight. Uh, now <laughs> on, on my best fine, day, man. yeah, on my best day, probably a probably a seven eight, probably backwards. Uh, so. You talk about uh, your game here. What did Dayton see in your game? And obviously you're a Dayton commit. So talk a little bit about the process of, you know, what incepted their interest. What did they originally say they were interested in? And then how did that evolve and inevitably become uh, your commitment? 
Well, at first when I talked to Dayton, they uh, talked to my family and my coaches. They just wanted to see what type of guy I was. And uh, Coach King was really impressed with everything that they had. And, uh, I mean, everything that he learned about me as a person uh, overall, it's really important just to, you know, be consistently a good guy because coaches, uh, coaches really look at that. And um, he was uh, – a after I went to future games, he was able to see some of the things I didn't gain. Uh, I wasn't the best version of myself at the time, but you could definitely see where I was going to be in uh, years to come and where I would be like when I get on the campus. And I feel like uh, once he saw that, he was really interested. So you're coming to the National Showcase this summer. Um, obviously, I, I saw you at uh, the event down in Toledo uh, before the season, earned your invite there. Um, I can attest to the fact that you have a howitzer for a throwing arm. Um, so you're coming to the National. What do you want to show out? Like, what do you want to show off? And then a, a separate question from that is um, you can spend the summer while showcasing your skills. You can also work on things too. So, so that's kind of a two part question. What are you going to show out and what are you hoping to, to get better at by the time we get to the fall? Well, uh, like I said, I really want to consistently show my outfield ability. Uh, that's something I worked on for a long time. It took a lot of effort and skill and time to put into the outfield. And then I, uh, something I want to work on over the summer really is just becoming more of a consistent hitter. Not saying I'm not consistent as I am now, but this lights out. Uh, you don't, Coach Brown always says you don't get drafted by getting walked all the time. So show off the bat. So I'm really <laughs> just trying to learn how to hit more consistently. And uh, hopefully by the fall, I'll just become a lights out hitter. And uh, hopefully that shows so your uh, your Edison team, we'll circle back to them real quick. You guys are doing a uh, great job this season, as we've talked about. But the elephant in the room is that the first game, or you see, I think it's the first game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you you and Liggett are the only teams in that district left at this point. So you do have to play uh, in the early rounds of the playoffs. And you know, Brian and I talked with Coach Brown about. Wouldn't it be a lot more beneficial for everybody, especially the fan, if uh, there was a seating system where you guys got to play at the end? But regardless, you got to play that game right away. Uh, what's your approach going into that game mentally? And uh, talk a little bit about, has your team discussed this at all? And uh, where are you guys at with this whole, hey, we got to beat the number one team right away? Well, uh, we know a lot of players on that team. Uh, I know Greg, Jaron, and Reggie, and a couple players on our team like EJ. They grew up with them. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's going to be fun. I know that for sure. And uh, we kind of have our approaches that we want to have up at the plate, and we want to be consistent with our approaches. Uh, hopefully we can execute that against them. And uh, most likely we wouldn't be striking guys out left and right. So our defense is going to have to make plays and we have to be consistent in what we're doing. So uh, hopefully we just be able to play our best game and uh, they, if hopefully they play their best game and we still come out well. So uh, that's really the goal. What would you say to like, take, take a, think of yourself as 12 years old, right? What would you as now 17, 18 years old, Caleb Sanders, what would you say to 12 year old you? Like, what do you wish you could tell yourself back then? Something I'll add on to myself is uh, really focusing on uh, speed. Not saying I was slow at the time, but uh, I had issues with like mobility and everything like that. There's so many facets of the game that you have to learn and uh, the, the things you do at home and the things that you do outside of just practice and baseball can be very important because that can set you in front or behind a lot of players and they don't really understand what happens behind closed doors. So uh, whatever you do, you have to do that consistently at night and uh, so it can carry on to the field and it really makes a difference. What do you think about your guys? Like, I'm really curious. We, when we played you, so so for context, if I'm sure you know, but if you don't, coach at South, we had you in the first doubleheader. It was ugly. You guys got us good, <laughs> and there's no there's no ignoring that. Uh, your guys' style, like the way that you guys play the game, is it is so consistently energetic and high effort and. Um, you, you would say like the team looks flashy, but then you go do really small things like just staying short to the ball and finding gaps left and right. And just, you're not going up there trying to hit it to the moon. You're just going up there trying to be short and it's, 
working. You're getting on base. You're stealing. Everything is very fast. You're trying to score four runs in the time that most teams would score one or two. So just talk about your guys' team approach and the togetherness that you guys have. Um, because from the opposite dugout, it looked really exciting. It looked like something that most teams would want to be a part of it when they're watching it. Well, one, it's hard to keep up. Uh, like you said, you have to have that high energy all the time. Uh, some games, you don't come out with that every day. So uh, since baseball is very humbling, we really do try to uh, stick with our approaches because at any time you could be like, oh, I want to go yard, I want to go yard. And uh, we have to really stick to our approaches, even though uh, some players on our team like Greg has eight home runs. Most of his hits outside of those home runs are opposite field. So uh, we really have to stick to our approaches. And then on bases, uh, that's something that we just naturally have instinct-wise. So uh, we consistently try to do that well. Uh, it's hard to make uh, – it's hard not to make errors. But as a team, we try to cut down on the mental errors and uh, be more consistent in what we do. And that way we are, you know, playing at high-level energy baseball like we always do. Coach Brown's doing a hell of a job with you guys there at Edison, and obviously you guys are, are responding and, and playing extremely well, and, and, and Brandon and I have enjoyed uh, watching from afar. Uh, you guys play all season and, and watching the success, and we're excited to see how that continues uh, this coming week. Obviously, a gigantic matchup uh, with Liggett. Two top five teams in the whole state have to play in the first game of the playoffs, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. You almost wish that we could do seeding because of that, uh, but either way, Caleb, thank you for joining us on the show, man. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you on social media so we can maybe get you some more clout? <laughs> well, uh, my Instagram is uh, Caleb underscore 16 Sanders, and uh, I believe my Twitter is um, should be the same thing, I believe. Um, man, you guys don't use Twitter. Like, you get guys your age, you just don't use Twitter, huh? Uh, well, we're getting into it. Yeah, my Twitter is exactly the same handle, um, Caleb okay. underscore 16 Sanders. But we're getting into it, um, really trying. And um, right now we're working on that uh, ECE profile. So we got to get that cool. one together. And then, <laughs> yeah. Shout it out. What's the handle there? Let's have our listeners follow it. See, I, I don't even know if I follow it. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's ECE Baseball One. Yeah, we gotta fix that name. But yeah, ECE Baseball One. So follow Edison on Twitter. Follow Caleb cross platform uh, on socials. Um, again, Caleb, thanks for joining the show, man. Good luck the rest of the way. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Before I send you guys home, I gotta talk to you one more time about Great Lakes Bat Company. These guys know what they're doing. They know what they're doing when it comes to the materials, the bats, the uniforms, the batting gloves, the custom bats, whatever it is. But really what they know is how to communicate. They know customer service. They know realistic turnaround times. They don't lie to you, folks. They get it to you when they get it to you, and they know when that's going to be, and they are very transparent about the process. But more times than not, you get your products even before then, and it's awesome. I highly recommend Great Lakes Bat Company. Find them online at greatlakesbatco.com. And welcome back to another all brand uh, brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Caleb Sanders. Uh, such a great talk. Like we've talked to, about Edison the last couple of weeks. Obviously, last week we had Coach Mark Brown on the show. This week, Caleb Sanders. Um, just like you know, Brandon and I are both all about highlighting the program like that, where, where it's you know, but really good players. They have some some struggles to overcome. You you, t- you heard Caleb talk about playing on the road all the time. Um, practicing in football fields, uh, you know, just doing what you need to do to, to get that work in. And, and obviously with Werner Blakely there, um, the help and, and the advice and the things that he can do from the perspective of someone who's now playing pro ball, um, this really cool. And we're excited that we were able to have Coach Brown last week, obviously, and Caleb this week on the show. Uh, moving on, we are going to quickly rip through the Super 25, probably as quick as we've ever done it, because we want to talk about more stuff afterwards. Um, some movement this week, not everybody played this past weekend. Like not everybody had those, the end of season tournaments. Um, every, it looks like everybody at least played one or two games in the, the ranking window for this week. So like we did have some data points to move things around. Um, 
But either way, not not a shit ton of movement. I, I don't think this week, but but still some stuff worth talking about. Um, Brandon, do you want to take us through the also considered section? Yes. So with the also considered section this week, there is a new submission, which I'm sure will uh, excite and potentially not excite some people. Um, But we'll get right into that. So our first also considered team, which I'm sure uh, I'm going to hand this over to Brian to explain at some point, because I've had to explain Orchard Lake all year. So it makes sense, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to take it myself. You want me to do it? I'll do AC. Let's I'm just it. kidding, Brian. Okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think it's much, I think it's, I think it's a lot easier to justify Orchard Lake doing anything than it is to justify South at this point, which is completely fair. So, uh, and the also considered, we've got Grant Blank, who's been in our top 25, super 25 all year. Um, but is now in our also considered section after a, uh, a tough week for them where they went one and three, including a, uh, sweep from Portage central and they split with Clarkston. Uh, after that, we got Traverse City Central, another team moving down. Traverse City Central, they went. What do we got in that from last week, Coach? Three and one. They're staying. They were also considered last week. Right, also, right, yeah. right, right. The week before is when they fell out. Right. So uh, Dexter is also considered. They're staying there. They're at twenty three and eight and two. Uh, New Lothrop went three and one. They're at twenty six and four. And Girls Point South. They are the if this was a first five in first five out they're the last last team to make the also considered uh, we had two ranked wins last week beat brother rice uh, and beat western and then had two wins over Stevenson so we had a four and two week the two losses were to Liggett by two runs and then obviously we talked about the St Mary's game um, so I think at this point you know our record is I believe it's twenty one and I think 19, 20 and 10 uh, with a lot of quality wins, uh, especially last week, you know, we beat Stevenson, we beat Rice, beat Western. I think it was a, I think it was a fair go of it to give us a nod here in the AC. Um, We've played ranked teams nearly all year. Aside from when we played, uh, aside from when we played Chippewa Valley and then uh, Romeo was pretty much our only our only couple series without playing ranked team, and then Stevenson, obviously. So, um, but yeah, and Romeo's that, on this list as far as like for us to have looked. You know, like Romeo's on here for us to like. They're not in the Super Twenty Five or the also considered, but they were. You know, if if the also considered went ten deep, they're probably in it. So that's you know another really good opponent. Yeah, and Romeo actually, you know, we played them early in the year. That was our first series in the MAC, and uh, they got us. They got us two out of three. So uh, they're a team that has a, a really, really good one through five. Uh, they're, they've got two sticks in there that can go yard four to five, and then their one through three is really good. Their leadoff hitter is especially good, uh, and they got a couple good arms as well. So, yeah, Romeo is a team who could make a who could make some noise come playoff time. But that is it for the also considered section. So I will let Brian take 25 to 21. Yeah, uh, 25 Beale City. They have stayed in the uh, the Super 25. They were in it last week. They're in it this week. They're 25 and two. Um, kind of the one of our the the top in D4 as we see it right now. Um, Utica Ford down a couple spots this week. They were at 22, I think, last week. They're 24 this week. Uh, 25 and seven overall. Goodrich moves up a couple spots this week. They are 26 and five at number 23. Number 22 is Macomb, Dakota, uh, down several spots from 18 to 22. They lost to Howell and Flushing this week, still in the Super 25. And number 21, Livonia Stevenson. Um, they're 29 and eight. They stay the same from a week ago. Uh, and this is not a playoff game, but I think they're playing Edison uh, today, maybe. Or tomorrow. Uh, by today, I mean Tuesday. So by the time you listen to this, it may have already happened. Um, we don't think it, I don't think that's a playoff game or anything. Like clearly, it's not. But that's a pretty cool little uh, pre-district game, uh, but not a pre-district at the same time. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. you just confused everybody to ever exist. <laughs> Uh, Shut up and take the next five. <laughs> at 20, we've got Howell. Howell has been uh, in the Super 25 for the majority of the year. Uh, the Highlanders are 28-7. They had a 2-0 week, beat Dakota, beat Fenton. At 19, we've got a newcomer in Oxford. And Oxford went 4-0 this past week. They are 30-7 and overall. At 18, we've got the alma mater, Trenton. Uh, they went 3-0 this week. They are 26-6. and So they have... 
they have pressed gas and they have pressed gas considerably hard uh, in the second half, winning the Downriver League, um, beating Woodhaven in, in the primetime matchup to decide the Downriver League at the end of the year. Uh, they beat a good South Lion team uh, over the weekend and they are 26 and 6 at 16. We've got Buchanan. The Bucks went 2 0. They are 29 and 2. They are as big of a threat as anybody is. Um, given their season at 15 we've got Celine Celine went 0 and 1 losing to Bedford I believe was the loss there and they are 26 and 9 and 1 like any Celine team of the past and the present and the future they are always a threat come playoff time and I'll pick it up at 14 since Brandon forgot where to stop uh, ah, 14 yes. is Woodhaven Woodhaven dropped uh, several spots this week kind of had to do it um, they'd been kind of losing some games and holding on and, and this, that, the other thing, but lost to South Line, lost to Salem, uh, obviously did not win the Down River League last week or two weeks ago, whenever the hell that was decided. Uh, but what even at number 14, down a bunch of spots, still very dangerous in D1 as we look towards the state tournament. Uh, number 13, up a handful of spots this week is DeWitt. Uh, they're 29 and 3. We'll talk about them in a second when we do our interesting district previews because they are looking at a showdown with Grand Ledge, I believe, right out of the gate in the district. Um, number 12 is Hudsonville, up a couple spots. They're 31-5. and five. They had four non-ranked wins over the past week. Uh, either way, still a very strong club out on the west side of the state. And number 11 is Heartland, up another couple spots. They split with Detroit Edison, won, uh, won another uh, non-ranked game. 24-4-1 overall. Uh, that's Heartland at number 11. And then that will take us into our top 10 and our top 10. Did you just omit a team? There we go. My bad. Click the wrong button behind the yeah. scenes. Uh, at number 10, uh, we've got Richmond. Richmond went two and one in the week. They're 25 and five overall. Uh, we've talked about Richmond throughout the year. They've been in the top 10 for nearly the entire season. And they are in D3, where it is stacked with two other teams in the top 10, which we'll get to in a moment. At nine, we've got Brian to bring in us, bring us in at nine. I'm not going to overtake another one. Oh, yeah, sure. We're going to do that. Yeah. Uh, number nine, number nine, Rockford, up a couple spots this week. Uh, they are 27 and six overall. Um, that is, I guess, who we're kind of saying is the team out west. Uh, we're Rockford and Hudsonville both up there um, in the top 12, but we do have Rockford ahead of Hudsonville. And so I think that's what we're where we're staking our claim as far as the western part of the state, at least Grand Rapids area. Grand Rapids area. Yeah, we've got two top five teams here in the west side that Grand Rapids area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand Rapids area. Grand Rapids area. Number eight, we got Blissfield. Uh, Blissfield. Went two and two this week with losses to Bedford and Algonac, but they are 31 and five. And the team that they lost to in Bedford has yet to be named uh, for, for good reason. And for that, it was hard to punish Blissfield much uh, on, on, the, on the sheet here, especially with 31 victories. Uh, number seven, Lakeland, up another couple spots. They are 32 and four overall heading into the state tournament. Swept a solid South Lion team who has upset some other teams on this list. Um, had a five and zero uh, ranking period overall. Yeah, 32 and four. Lakeland back up to number seven. At number six, we've got the Mules of Bedford, who have been probably. The biggest riser, they have to have been the biggest riser from uh, beginning of season to end of season, unranked in the Super 25 to start the season. And they end the, the regular season rankings at number six. They went 4-0 this week, beat Blissfield. That's the team who beat Blissfield that we just referenced. And they are 28-2, and and they did have to take a pause during this season, and we're still able to rack up 28 victories to just two losses. So uh, Bedford has had quite the year. And into the top five, number five, Detroit Edison this week, uh, down number one spot for number four. They had a one-in-one week splitting with Heartland, as we said. Um, hard to punish a team too much for splitting with a top 11 club. Uh, but either way, yeah, Detroit Edison at number five. Uh, obviously, we talked to Coach Mark Brown last week, talked to Caleb Sanders. This week, you've already heard that on this show. Um, top five team, Detroit Edison. At number four, we've got Portage Central, and they went 4-0 this week. Two wins over Grand Blank, who was a 
pretty highly ranked team for the majority of this year in the also considered section this week. And that puts Porter Central at 29 and four and the number four team in the state to end the Super 25 regular season rankings. And uh, Luke Lito, Zach McDonald, we've talked about him a ton, uh, a lot of talent out there in Portage. Uh, I just I looked at the game changer when we were doing this. Brzozowski struck out 17 against Grand Blank. It was like seven innings, two hits, 17 Ks or something. It was unbelievable. Really good performance there. Um, at number three, Grand Ledge. Uh, a two and a week. They stayed at number three. They are thirty and two. Um, and like we just said, I, they're gonna they're gonna get it right out of the gate. Uh, kind of a you know Lansing area rivalry with Grand Ledge and Dewitt, and, and they're in the same district. So. Um, That'll be fun right out of the gate for sure. And speaking of right out of the gate, Brandon at number two. <laughs> yeah, right. At number two, it is uh, Liggett, who we've talked about plenty this year. I think they've been at number two for for 90% of the season for the most part. Uh, they went two and one on the week, 25 and four overall. The one loss was to Orchard Lake St. Mary's, who, spoiler, spoiler alert, you might want to keep your ears open for the number one ranking that's about to come out in a few seconds here because it's probably going to be them. Uh, and with the one loss being to them, it's not much to harp over. Uh, Liggett gets Portage, or I'm sorry, Liggett gets uh, Detroit Edison in the D3 district opener. That is number two versus number five overall in the state. And that is conversely number one versus number two in D3. So that's a heck of a way to start out playoffs. And number one, St. Mary's, uh, 4-0 week. Uh, beat Pioneer, beat Liggett, beat South, beat Detroit Western. Um, we are gearing up for district play. The the pre-district that at our place is taking place like shortly. As far as after we record this, um, we will play Hazel Park on Saturday. Um, the winner of Lamphere and Cranbrook Kingswood will play Country Day, and then those two winners will play. And uh, as it is every year, it, it seems like we, we seem to run into Country Day in the district. So um, gearing up for that. It is about that time. Uh, and yeah, with, with it being that time, it's also time to look back on who we predicted in the preseason and then kind of think about that and revise it and make our new picks for uh, postseason heading into the playoffs. So, Brian, if you want to direct that. Yeah, I figured that we could uh, we could actually like kind of go division by division and and highlight some of the more intriguing district uh, matchups this week. And then to close the show, we'll uh, we'll remake our state championship picks. Um, if that's cool with you, my friend. Oh, absolutely, sir. Okay. I, for those listening at home, Brandon flipped me off. I didn't see it, but I could feel well, it. You could feel it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I texted these to you last night. Um, yeah, we're two nights ago. Anyway, in D1, I'll do D1, you do D2. We'll just do it like that. Um, in Division One, just this was just scrolling through the district matchups and things that stood out. Uh, Mount Pleasant, Traverse City Central, and Traverse City West are all in the same district. Uh, Portage Central and Portage Northern are in the same district. It, you know, a lot of these make sense because of, you know, geography and crosstown rivalries. But either way, when you have a couple loaded teams in one district, it is always like, man, I wish we seeded this like literally everybody else does anything. But like, whatever. Um, DeWitt and Grand Ledger in the same district, as we talked about, that's a hell of a matchup. Um, Dexter, Heartland, and Howell are all in the same district. Uh, that's three super, or that's three top thirty clubs in the state, as far as we see it. Um, Pioneer and Celine, at Woodhaven and Bedford, that's a hell of a district. Uh, obviously, Gross Point South, Gross Point North, uh, in the same district. That's that's a, always an annual uh, bloodbath. Um, and then Grand Blank, Holly, and Flushing are all in the same district as well. Uh, Holly kind of just on the outside looking in of, of the Super 25. Grand Blank, obviously, and they also considered they've been in the Super 25 all year. And and Flushing's like just been like okay this year, but they do have arms, so it makes it a, something of an interesting matchup there for them. Yeah, D1 is going to be a really wide open race. Uh, I have a pick there that we'll get to, but um, that, that, that thing's been a race to the finish line there. Uh, so in D2, you've got 
Garber, who has been uh, a team that we had high expectations for, hasn't performed to that level, but uh, they do have arms. You know, Tommy Japanski, the the ace there, the Michigan commit, can get them by a lot of teams. They'll play Bay City, John Glenn. Uh, They're in the same district. And then GRCC and Grand Rapids Christian, two teams who were ranked early on in the year, and Christian, who won the league out there in the west side, uh, those two will battle. Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor GR and New Boston Huron in the same one. Huron's had a great year. Um, they're similar to Holly, where they've kind of been in that top 30, 35 mark all year. Trenton and Grozeal. Trenton now ranked 18th. Grozeal's a team that's pretty loaded with talent out in the Huron League. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned this earlier. We'll mention it again. Orchard Lake St. Mary's, Country Day, Lamphere in D2. And then Notre Dame Prep and Goodrich. And uh, that'll be a battle, especially because Goodrich has had a great Great year. Notre Dame Preps had a pretty good year. Um, you know, we 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 lost. We dropped one to Notre Dame Prep a few weeks ago in the Gross Point Invitational Final, which was one of the other Gross Point themed invitationals. And so that that's that for D two. I think I have a pick for D two as well in the future here, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and then D three and D four, just quickly, uh, just kind of scrolling through. Obviously, we've talked about Leggett and Edison having to play. Um, another scenario where like, again, I feel like I'm ramming myself into a wall, but like seating makes sense at MHSAA. Uh, like I already railed against the NCAA, so why not like do two things? Um, Liggett and Edison having to play going to be a hell of a game, going to be a hell of a match. Uh, you like Edison's offense in that matchup, but Liggett probably has the edge pitching. Um, similarly athletic teams, similar defensive abilities, uh, it, it just a really good match. going to be a, one of those immovable force or what is it? What the hell's the damn thing? Immovable object meets an unstoppable force or whatever the hell it Little is. Little Andre uh, the Giant call. I like that. Yeah. And then in D4, got to give a shouts to, to Three Oaks River Valley and Michigan Lutheran. Um, a couple of interesting show connections there in that district. Obviously, uh, we had Soko on to, to talk about the, uh, um, talk about Three Oaks River Valley preseason when they were ranked uh, number one in D4 by the coaches poll. And Michigan Lutheran, obviously a solid team. And weirdly enough, I went to college with their head coach. Shouts out, Kale. Um, we were in some some of the, some like athletics classes and stuff together. I think we were in the same dorm too as a freshman, um, weirdly enough. But anyways, that's D4. That's, that's the key matchup in D4 that we see. Um, Brandon, shall we make some more state championship picks? We shall. We shall. Um, do you happen to have the ones we originally made? Well, we were the same on two, three, and four. Um, we each took St. Mary's in D2. We each took Liggett in D3. We each took Cardinal Mooney in D4, I think. And then in D1, I took Grand Blank and you took, I don't remember, Portage Central? Portage Central, yeah. I think you did take Portage Central. Okay. So I don't know how much revising no, needs Point to North. be done. Oh, you did take Gross Point North. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll start with, we can start with D1. We can start with D1. Uh, and, and I'll let you kick this off because mine's probably going to be long, long winded. Uh, that's fine. Um, yes, D1. <laughs> you were just bombarded by that. No, D1, I will take, I'm going to take Port of Central. I, I th- I'm going to revise my pick. I think that um, Grand Blank still has a chance to make a good run. I just, you know, 11, 12 losses on the season. Hard to overlook that. Not that your loss total matters once you enter the state tournament, but either way, um, I think Portage Central is playing really good baseball. I think they have really good players, as we've mentioned uh ad nauseum on this show uh but they're kind of rolling over everybody you know there hasn't been like anybody thrown in front of them they're, they're not having a whole lot of issues with um they have the obvious ace to lead the way they have the bats to back it up they have the athleticism and, and the defensive ability to impact games in that way um i will take Portage central yeah you know what brian i'm gonna agree with you um you know Portage central was going to be my pick when we first did this but i ended up going with gross point north because i was i just fell in love with the arms that they had there i thought that was going to play super well for them in the tournament and it's still may we will see gross point south or um rather we or 
Lakeview will see Gross Point North on Saturday uh, in the district semifinal. We've got to play Lakeview today on Tuesday in a pre-district. And uh, if we are victorious at South, then we'll play North on Saturday. Uh, and we'll see what that's all about. More than likely, whoever sees them on Saturday will end up seeing Nick Good, um, who has been fantastic for Gross Point North. I believe he is an all-star. If he's not, that's a crime. Uh, he's been absolutely shut down for them. He's the the obvious ace there and they they are more than equipped to make a run with him brennan hill the lefty that's the number two the freshman who's been good they've got bats drew hill the older brother of brennan has 10 home runs on the year uh and has i believe it is 10 home runs and nine singles and he's got like 16 doubles so i, I think he's had a year as a hitter uh and then he can also pitch they've been saving his arm all all regular season uh to prioritize his bat so by all means i am am i not discrediting north by switching my pick here i think they, they are certainly equipped to make a run um but they have they are not ranked um they have dropped some games in the past few weeks here and so with all that being said and what you said about portage central i fully agree with especially given the bats that they have and the one ace that they have in the arms behind him i'm gonna go with portage central so like i said it was gonna be long-winded and, and and that is that's my pick in d1 in d2 i am going to go with orchard lake st mary's because I think that they are the best team with the deepest rotation and the deepest lineup and the best defense and the best catcher. So that is why. Oh, I forgot. I, I forgot. I forgot. The best coaches, especially Brian. No, no, no. The, we're not. We're not. We may not be the best coaches, but we are the best looking coaches. That's important. What do you want me to do? I, of course, I'm going to take St. Mary's. Um, not like you know a coach there. I'm not going to pick against us. Um, D three. We both took Liggett last time out. Liggett is number two in the Super Twenty Five. Uh, do you want to change that? It's crazy because Edison could easily upend them in the opener, and then Edison could roll their way into yeah into it yep. all. It's um it, it's a really big 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 toss up. Uh, Liggett's good. They have not produced as many runs over the past few weeks that I would expect them to normally. Um, so that does make me a bit uneasy with picking them against Edison because Edison will put up runs. So I think uh, Edison has the better lineup, but I think it is without question that Liggett has the better rotation. And defensively, you're probably still going to lean I don't even know. I, you, you might lean Edison. You might lean Liggett. It's kind of a toss-up defensively, but the bats, I got to go with Edison. The rotation, I got to go with Liggett. I think Barr is outstanding on the mound. I think his uh, his movement with his fastball uh, and then switching that to the changeup and the curveball is so hard for amateur hitters to pick up on uh, in, in a one-game setting. You'd have to see him two or three times before you've kind of got it down. So uh, because of that, I'm going to go with Liggett. I do think they have the arm that's going to take them through that game. And I think that that's where Edison kind of lacks. But I think this game is airtight. And conversely, I think this game could decide it. But all that being said, Richmond's right there. And they've got Hitzelberger from the left side throws really well. They've got another arm in there that throws really well. They've got some bats, including Davenport. Uh, and Hitzelberger can hit too. So Richmond's right there. Blissfield, yeah. Blissfield's right there with uh, Horky and Gannon. And, and so D3 is going to be competitive. Um, I'm going to stick with Liggett because I think that they have the best rotation and I think that their, their bats are, are not nearly, not nearly bad. I just think Edison's are better, but I don't know if anybody else's in D3 are better than, than Edison or than like it's between sharp and purify and service. And uh, I mean, the list goes on there green. Um, you know, yep. they, they've got, they've got quite the, quite the roster there. So I just, for, so the folks at home are aware, I was going to just take the other of whichever Brandon took. Um, just to be contrarian, and so we talk about them both. So I'll take Detroit Edison. Um, I will take, I think that their offense is not only better, but it's a, it's a more veteran offense right now than Liggett's. Um, and that's I, that's saying that with the, with the full knowledge that Liggett is going to be a juggernaut next year offensively. It's just a lot of their guys are 23s and 24 still who have not played baseball this long before 
or like have not had a, an MHSAA playoff to get through yet. Um, and that's like no disrespect. Like I just saw Liggett. That's a really good team. Everybody's aware of that. I just, I'm, I'm going to take Edison here to be contrarian for the sake of this podcast. And because, um, I mean, shit, man, I think they're going to hit. And I think that that offense versus Kurt Barr is a hell of a matchup or that offense versus Jack Jones is a hell of a matchup. However, uh, Coach Samini wants to roll it out um, as far as Liggett's rotation goes. Uh, and just, yeah, I'll, I'll take Edison right now. But we're, we're talking about D3, man. What a loaded, loaded division this year. Blissfield. Uh, we talked about, or you talked about Richmond. Um, Buchanan is 28-2 and two or whatever the hell they are. That, that's a D3 school, too. Um just, you know, really good in Division Three. really fun to watch so far this season, and, and we're looking forward to, to seeing how that shakes out. So beyond that, uh, the playoffs are here. Uh, it's the most exciting time. Whispers, Division Four. Oh, my God, Division Four. <laughs> how did we forget about Division How did I forget about Division Whispers. Four? Whispers. Whispers. <laughs> to be fair, this is the longest episode we've had in a long time, and my, my brain has escaped me. But Division Four. Yeah, we're almost done. We're almost done. Division Four, uh, I always... I'm so sorry to Mike Rice. Uh, Division four is here, and I my pick is the same as it was in the beginning. I watched Cardinal Mooney play Liggett. They Blake Lutsky is extremely good on the mound. The lineup is not at all bad. I mean, they have a good lineup. Trent Rice is really good. It's extremely fast. They've got some power sticks in the middle. Um, they have a good catcher behind the plate and Tommy Rice, who is going to win some strikes and make some things happen for them. And he's going to hold guys honest with his arm. So, I mean, I'm going to stick with Cardinal Mooney. I know that there are some other threats in D4, uh, but man, I just, I love Cardinal Mooney in, in D4. That's probably between, I mean, Sorry, Brian, I'm, that I'm going to say this, but besides Orchard Lake, I think that Cardinal Mooney's probably the most sure pick of the divisions. Again, hmm, again, okay. again, Brian, uh, I know that you don't want to hear that, but that what? is my honest no, synopsis yeah, on the situation. Yeah. Um, I will stick with Mooney as well. That, and Finn, that's the episode. We'll see you next week, everyone. Um <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'll stick with Mooney as well. Uh, we'll tweet this stuff out. We will get a graphic made once again by Ryan Mooney uh, for the sake of the Super 25. Uh, we'll be all over social media in the coming weeks, uh, week as far as, uh, you know, our offering commentary on games as they happen, um, whether you want it or not, honestly. So with that being said, Brandon, do you have anything before we take it out? You didn't go yard on Saturday, so... Who really won? I did not. Uh, we did. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay. With that being said, uh, for Brandon, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you next week, Michigan. Good luck in the playoffs. Cool with the